Welcome to the Aux Podcast, audio and audio, with your host, me, Will, Will Fly. That's enough of the intro, let's get this thing started. Today's podcast has the theme of warrior culture, and there's no better place to start than with a little Anglo-Saxon. Hicht was janiwad, mid bledem and mid blissa, tham thether brune tholodan. Sesunu was sior fast on tham sith fata, michti on spedi, ta he mid manio com, gasta verde on godes riche, anwelda almichti, englam tu blissa, and elam tham halgam, tham the on helfonam er, wunudan on woldra, ta hero walden quom, Almichte God, there his ethel was. The son, the victorious, in all his undertakings, the powerful, the successful, he came with the multitudes, the soul of the troops, the ruler almighty, the delight of angels, the delight of all the saints, the ruler in heaven, the dweller in glory, the almighty God, the native in the land, the redeemer, the dignified. Rap beginner, light dimmer, three knockout cow winner, the gun reacher, busting shot teacher, your funeral servant church preacher, your black hurts coffin seeker, the body polluter, the gat shooter, the brownville at Brooklyn trooper, the cock D mountain mover, the face basher, the Mr. Brain smasher, the ass waxer, the drunk money, the money stasher, gun blast and razor slasher, the human asthma, breath taker, body dump waster, the glock cocker, the block locker, the rock chopper, the shot popper. The jock cock blocker, the face splitter, human disgrace getter, the lady shitter, phone joneser, sneak over, fuck your babysitter, the chronic smoking, gun toting, hearse initiator, crack supplier, the human drug generator, the honey gamer, the chicken tricker, the slicker, long dick pussy sticker, the ready to bust that ass kicker, the track maneuverer, the box barrier. New Shulan Herian, half on richest word, Mertidus Mechta. And his mode, you thunk. So we had there uh, Anglo-Saxon Out Loud, read by Michael Drought, Broken Language, Smooth the Hustler, 1995, and a little bit of Seth Lair, who is the lecturer in the series um, The History of the English Language, and the poem was The Dream of the Rude from the 7th century. And as the people of the warrior culture of the Anglo-Saxon period went from paganism to Christianity, and they found out about Jesus, who is, of course, an adult man and a prominent adult man, not to mention the son of a god. He obviously was a great warrior. So that's how warrior cultures work. And let's go now to the ancient Spartans. And here is the modern scholar, Timothy B. Schutt, Dr. Schutt, on the history of ancient Sparta. A History of Ancient Sparta, Lecture 5 level Spartan women, generally literate, and again, were freer than women anywhere else. Something that's odd about that, and this is something that seems to me counterintuitive, but I've noticed this just in reading, that the women in at least some warrior cultures, cultures which are very strongly keyed on battle, and there's reasons why this would make a certain amount of sense, have often had women who, by the standards of those around them who were less warlike, seemed unusually prominent and powerful. The Iroquois were, in some respects, a matrilinear society. And here, Dr. Schutt is making a 
pretty good point about women and warrior societies. But I would put some caveats, and that's why I'm bothering to record a little uh, commentary on his point. First of all, warrior society is, you. I would think of that as better defined as a society in which all adult males are considered warriors. Whatever else they might be, they have to also fight. And historically, we've seen sort of nomadic warrior societies, which is the prototypical kind, and Sparta would be a little bit different in that they were sedentary and agricultural, but, and he's talking about Sparta, but, you know, the classic case is Genghis Khan and the, you know, and the Mongolians or the Huns, perhaps, or in America, the Native Americans, a number of the different Indian groups were warrior societies at the time of contact with Europeans, in which Whatever else men do, maybe trading or some agriculture, herding, whatever they do in different contexts, they also are all expected to show up to fight. And historically, the sedentary non-warrior societies where you had division of labor and settled agriculture were at something of a strategic disadvantage, which is why we see conquests by... um, nomadic peoples over sedentary people throughout history from the Arabs uh, and the, of course, I mentioned the Mongolians. Those are the kind of typical ones. But even the Germanic tribes, to to put it in a Marxist way or something like that, so that raiding is production. And, And so to provide for the possibility of raiding, women have to be able to produce, um, to have to be able to take on the agricultural or pastoral roles when men are away. And by having an increased economic role, women also would have an increased political role. And you see that, like there have been attempts to codify that um, in early anthropology when we had different cultures all over the world that were relatively isolated. There were studies indicating that the percentage of calories brought in by women had an effect on their on the overall status of women and that there's some sort of relationship. And so far, what I think I'm doing is just uh, reiterating his point, but rephrasing it in a more anthropological way. But then I would like to just, uh, what what really triggered me wanting to make a little citation on this lecture is when he said matri- matrilineal society, the, the um, Iroquois were matrilineal. And if he had, you know, just as an anthropology student at one time, you know, matrilineal just means descent traced through women. It has nothing to do with the status of women necessarily. You might think that logically there would be less of a concern with paternity if you have a unilateral kinship system. So in other words, if you have a corporate kinship system where you're either in or out, you cannot trace your descent from both your mother and your father. You have to pick one. If you want to have a clan where you're either in or out, So if you pick the mother so that you're related to the other people in your clan through female descent, it doesn't necessarily mean that women have more of authority or more of a role in public life. They might, but they might not. It does logically mean that you're likely to have more of a concern, less of a concern with paternity, which is some of the play, some of the societies that were reported in ethnograph, ethnographies where the mother's brother or cousin might be more of an authority figure for the children in a matrilineal society than the father because the father is not in your clan. And, um, and if you had a different father, if there was some sort of a, a, a out-of-wedlock pregnancy, it would not be as necessarily 
critical because you would still be in the same clan. However, it doesn't really play out like that when you actually look at societies. It's harder to, I mean, I, logically that's how it should play out and it doesn't necessarily work like that. And if historically you're interested in the dynamic between the warrior nomadic societies and the sedentary division of labor societies, the balance of power, I mean, even in the modern era, there was some of these issues in Sudan and Chad and places like that, um, where you have one language group or cultural group that is historically nomadic and another that is sedentary, like the Dinka and the Nur, Nur versus Arabic-speaking people in southern Sudan or so, and that that kind of thing that historically the power balance shifted and when you get to the Native Americans and the English settlers the power balance has gone de- definitively over to the settled agriculturalists who speak English over the native population which is in some cases uh, could be considered sort of a warrior society in other cases not Oh, but then within Native, within Indian, American Indian, you have like the Hopi and the and the, and the, the Navajo as another example of a settled group. So anyway, that, that's kind of interesting. His point about the role of women in such societies is interesting. I just wanted to get in there and say matrilineal doesn't mean that. And that's going to do it for today's podcast. I've said enough on warrior culture for this episode, and we'll see you next time. Thus concludes the Aux Podcast, audio and audio. Thank you for listening.